friends. It's so great to be with you here today. And I just love us singing together that we get to recount the goodness of God as we worship together. My name is Katie Scott, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys today teaching in this um, series that we're doing that we're calling Come to the Table. Um, A time this month of February where, as a church family, we are focusing on hospitality and challenging ourselves to grow in the area of hospitality. Hospitality is something that my parents have always been really good at. Um, When I was growing up, like, as a teenager, our house was a place that, like, all the teenagers could come, and our friends would literally, like, walk into the house and walk straight to the fridge, open it up, and start looking for snacks, right? Like, that was our house. Or they would know, like, the frozen pizzas are in the basement in the chest freezer. You can go down there and get one and um, put it in the oven any time of the day or night and get a snack. And that was just the kind of way that I was raised. And when Nate and I got married, we wanted to be like that, too. Um, we didn't have a, a big hosting house. We had like tiny little apartments, right? And just like slightly larger houses, but we never wanted that to stop us. So we would, you know, have a thousand square foot house or an 800 square foot house. And we'd be having 20 people over to carve pumpkins in our living room or like just having people in our backyards for cookouts or over for like a movie night. And that was something that we, we really wanted to be true of us because we wanted our house and our family to be a place where people could come in and just take a deep breath out. (sighs) Where they could be welcomed and wanted and be seen and loved with the love of Jesus. And hospitality, treating outsiders like insiders, is something that we're focusing on together as a church this month. And last week, Nate gave that challenge to us to invite someone to the table, to your table in your house, or maybe like over for coffee, but invite someone to the table. And I am curious... Who here extended an invitation? I would love to see your hand. You could have been yes, no, or ghosted, but if you just asked someone, I would love to see your hand. Yes, I love it. Thank you. That's awesome, guys. And I want to encourage you throughout the series, like, take that step when you're ready. Your house does not have to be perfect. Okay, our house, our table does not match. Like the centerpiece is a different color than the end pieces. And it's covered in marker. And when I sometimes invite people over, we have take and bake pizza from Aldi's. Like that's my specialty is take and bake pizza from Aldi's. Make this easy, make it fun, but continue to connect through hospitality and challenge yourself in that way, inviting people in as we go through this series and moving forward just in your day-to-day life. Before we dive into our topic today, I would love if we could just pause and pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are the most generous and hospitable God to us. That your generosity and your hospitality has overflowed to us in so many ways, God, and we just get to spill it out over into all the people we come in contact with, God. I'm just so grateful for your generous grace for your love and your mercy for us, Father. God, I pray that um, as I speak today that you would fill my words with your grace and with your truth and that your voice would be the loudest in this room, Father. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Today, we're going to be looking at the table of believers, the church, the family of faith, and how we can be generous and hospitable within this family group. Because through the church, God makes family out of strangers. We see this in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. Jesus is teaching, and it says, well, Jesus was still talking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. 
And he replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And Jesus is doing a crazy thing. He did crazy world upending things. And he said, we're going to take strangers. And by following me, we're going to become a family. A new kind of family, this table of believers. And last week, Nate talked about this. What is the purpose of the church? And the purpose of it found in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where he says, therefore go, or as you have gone, or wherever you are, aka whatever you are doing, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And we said the purpose of the church is simply to help people find Jesus and live like him. The problem is that we as the church, the table of believers, have gotten this wrong. Often. Often. Sometimes we think that we're on mission, but we've missed the mission entirely. Like we have gone off on a side quest about things that don't matter at all. I think about this sometimes. I will call or text Nate and I'll be like, hey, hon, can you stop at Walmart and pick up a gallon of milk for us? Okay. And then Nate comes home and he's like, oh my goodness, look what I found, guys. I've got these cool chips. I've got these Pop-Tarts. I've got all these great things. And I'm like, where's the milk, babe? The milk is what we needed. And we go off on these side quests sometimes in Christianity too, right? When I was in my 20s, I worked at a pregnancy resource center in Texas. So I counseled and met with young women and young men who were experiencing unplanned pregnancies. And there are a lot of people super passionate about stopping abortion, but that wasn't our mission. Our mission was to shine the light of Jesus into a hard and sometimes hopeless situation for these young men and women. And as we educated and we supported and we resourced these young men and women, sometimes we'd have the joy of them choosing life for their child. And that was amazing. And sometimes we had the joy of leading them to the forgiveness and love of Jesus if they had made a different choice. And that was amazing too because we weren't off on a side mission. We weren't doing a side quest just to stop abortion. We were doing the main mission of helping people find Jesus and live like him. And sometimes we can kind of get off a little bit, right? We can kind of pick up Cheetos and Pop-Tarts and miss the milk the thing that we actually need in the mission of helping people find Jesus and live like him, no matter what we're doing, we're always on that main mission. And there are sometimes where we could be on a side quest, but sometimes we're on mission, but we're going about it in the wrong way. Very quickly, three big ways that I feel like the church, both like little church, we can see these in our little community, but also like church on a grand scale, we've gotten these wrong. Maybe you've seen other Christians do this on social media or just at large, and you're like, don't do that. Don't say that. It's cringe, as the young people would say, right? So we're going to look at some of these wrong ways that we go about this. And the first wrong way is by bullying. No one has ever been yelled into a relationship with Jesus. You've heard of, like, the Crusades, right? Who's heard of the Crusades, okay? Those were not a good look for the church, right? Okay, we cannot um, bully people into believing or belonging 
It's never gonna work. We can't argue people into a relationship with Jesus. One of my um, friends growing up, she was like a legendary big sister type, right? She knew what everyone in the family should be doing and she was happy to help them do it. And one day after church, she um, uh, got her younger sister who's like four or five and she like pinned her down and was like, you need to trust in Jesus. Believe in the Lord. And she was just like, okay, let me go. I believe in Jesus. But bullying people into believing, or we can leave that behind us. And another way the church has gotten this wrong historically is by building fences. By building fences. Instead of embracing Jesus' radical idea of treating outsiders like insiders, we think, uh, maybe it'd be better if we just kept the outsiders outside. It's safer that way. It's better that way. I went to a Christian college in South Carolina, and we literally had a giant wall around our campus. Why? I don't know. We were going to try to keep Jesus locked up in there with us. I'm not sure to this day, but building fences has never been part of the DNA of Revolution Church. This is the way we've done church differently from the start, that we are a place where people can be invited in and not kept out. But it's one of the ways that the church at large, we've gotten this wrong in helping people find Jesus and live like him. And the third way that we've gotten it wrong sometimes is by creating pedestals. By creating pedestals. The church has gotten good, especially in America, at creating pedestals. I listened this fall to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and it was about the dangers that can happen when we begin to put dynamic leaders up on pedestals and up on platforms. It's not the way the church was ever intended to operate. And it leads to brokenness and burnout and disillusionment within the church and from outside the church as well. And the table of believers has been misrepresented and misaligned. And we need to kind of deconstruct these wrong ways of thinking about the church and reorient ourselves to hospitality in the way that Jesus intended. And the way we begin is by welcoming to the table. Hospitality, treating outsiders like insiders, is the way Jesus treated people. Nate said last week, our job at the table is just to pull out chairs for others to come join us together. And I want to be honest, like, it can sometimes be hard to do that. It kind of goes against our natural inclinations, our natural comfort, Um, Because sometimes we just don't love when people look differently than we look. When they were raised maybe with values that we weren't raised with. Uh, People who vote differently than we do. People who are easily misunderstood. People who are needy or broken are just like a bit too much. And we like to welcome people who are healthy and whole and who remind us of ourselves in just like the best way, right? Those are the kind of people we like, but that's not Jesus' way. Matthew 9, 10 to 13 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have come to call, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
And our call as followers of Jesus is just to welcome as many as possible to the table, to show them by the things we say, the things we do, that they are loved and valuable to God and to us. And the second way we get hospitality right is by recognizing that the church isn't about me. If my goal is to make outsiders feel like insiders, then my Sunday morning experience is going to be different. It's not just going to be about like relaxing and like connecting with my friends and what can I get out of this and how can I be ministered to. Sometimes that will happen and that's like okay for a season. A place, a great place to start at church, but that shouldn't be the expectation. The purpose of gathering believers on Sunday is to worship God and serve each other. And the disciples, just so you know, Jesus, like Titus' closest group of friends, they got this wrong. Okay, we get this wrong. We have to kind of reorient ourselves. It's pretty normal that we get it out of order sometimes, too. In Matthew 20, we find this kind of unbelievable to me encounter with Jesus and his disciples, with two of them, um, James and John. And these are like top-tier inside circle guys, and they bring their mom with them to Jesus. They bring their mommy to ask Jesus a favor, and she says, "Um, hey, Jesus, could my two boys here, could they be the number one and the number two guy in your kingdom, please? And guys, I have two boys. I love them. I would do a lot of things for them. I would not do this. (laughs) I would not do this for those boys. Um, So she says, could they be number one and number two in your kingdom? And Jesus is like, No, absolutely not. And actually that you're asking this question shows me that you have missed so many points entirely about what I'm doing here, about the work that I'm doing, that what my kingdom is about. You've missed the point altogether. The other disciples catch wind of this and uh, they're a bit peeved. There's a little bit of tension, right? They're feeling a little grumpy. There's some grumbling and complaining. So in Matthew 20, verse 25, we'll pick up the story. Jesus calls them together and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. True hospitality among believers when I come, means that when I come to church, it isn't about me. The purpose of gathering believers on Sunday is to worship God and serve each other. So this means as I grow in my faith, as I know Jesus more and more, when I come to church, it's less and less about me. I literally think about myself less and less. My eyes shift from like when I walk in like, oh, how long is that kid's checkout line? Or, and oh, shoot, they don't have my favorite creamer. They used to have my favorite creamer here. And oh, why, why don't they ever play the songs that I want to sing? Or I, I just miss Anthony's talks to thinking about who here needs to be seen and recognized. Who here needs a welcome? Who here needs a thank you? Who here needs to be treated like an insider, even though they're still a bit outside? And we get biblical hospitality right through the church by welcoming to the table and by recognizing the gathering of believers around the table isn't about us. And finally, by serving at the table by serving at the table. 
There is a difference between eating dinner at grandma's house and eating dinner at Applebee's, is there not? Yes, right? So at grandma's house, the family comes together, right? And we have this shared history, these shared experiences. Um, You maybe even have recipes like handed down from your um, family. Our family has a recipe like this. It's old-fashioned cream pie, like a very Indiana thing, right? Old-fashioned cream pie. And we say no one can make it the way my great-grandma Lucy made it because her secret ingredient was a little bit of cigarette ash. Like, and no one could do it the way that she does it anymore. And so we have these legendary, like, family jokes and recipes and all this stuff. And at Grandma's house, the table's, like, packed with your favorite dishes, right? And everyone brings a dish, right? Maybe you bring a side or you bring a dessert. Or if you're not one of the culinary-inclined people, you are always bringing, like, drinks and napkins. And that's great, too. And we work together to, like, set up extra chairs and tables. Because that's not all on Grandma to do, right? And we create this table of memories and shared history and experiences. Now let's talk about dining at Applebee's. We go into Applebee's, maybe this floor is a little bit sticky, right? And you sit with the group you came with, like you're just there with your people. Um, At Applebee's, we um, order off the menu, right? We don't bring a dish to pass. If you came into Applebee's with a corn casserole, that would be a little weird wouldn't it, right? And we're not helping clean up. Like, they'd be like, please stop. Don't touch our stuff here. Like, we have a thing. Don't do it. Um, And you don't um, clear. You don't set up. And it's nice to go to Applebee's sometimes, right? Applebee's can certainly be less complicated than a family gathering. But eating at Applebee's isn't eating with your family. Eating at Applebee's is transactional. You come, you order, You eat, you pay, you leave. And the table of believers is meant to be like a big family gathering at grandma's house where the family gets together and we're always expecting guests. But we can start to treat the church like Applebee's. We come, we get what we want in a reasonable time frame, we feel a certain way, we pay, we leave. And this is a sickness in the American church. It's rotten, and it stinks, and it's not of Jesus. And we become like James and John, those disciples, like grappling for a place of honor and looking for something we can get from church instead of looking for what we can give. The table of a believers is a gathering to worship God and serve one another. That's what this is all about. So where do we start? Like, where do we even begin with all of this? That's my question. And I grew up doing 4-H, and in 4-H, there's a pledge. We're not going to say it if you were like, this is my moment. I was waiting my whole life to say the 4-H pledge again. We're not going to say it. But at the very end, it goes, um, for my club, my community, my country, and my world. And I tend to think when I start a project, I'm like, let's start as big as we can. What's the biggest thing I could do? But that reminds me always, the best place for me to start is to start really, really small. How am I practicing hospitality and service to my spouse, my significant other, my roommate, my most important relationship, whatever you want to fill in the blank there? Today, how am I helping that person's name find Jesus and live like him? 
And then you get to expand a little bit, right? Think about like your nuclear family, your little family. How am I helping Layla and Barrett and Griffin find Jesus and live like him? Because this mission work needs to be done first. God put your family, God put you in a family as your first line of discipleship and evangelism and service. And then we get a little bit bigger, maybe to your extended family. And I hear some of you, Katie, you do not know my extended family. You do not know these people. I don't have to know your extended family because I know my extended family, okay? And I know that this can be sometimes the hardest mission field in the world. But God will use you and your family. He put you in that family for a reason. And he's going to use your welcoming. He's going to use your recognizing that it's not about you. He's going to use your serving in that family. So then we get a little bit bigger. And we know that God wants our service and hospitality at work in the church, in your church family. Acts 4.32 says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And we help people find Jesus and live like him at church when we give, when we serve, when we welcome others to the table, when we share our gifts, when we testify to what God is doing in our everyday conversations, in our text messages, in all of those little moments where like, hey, but remember that God is good. But hey, remember, let's, let's pray together about those things. And God's grace becomes powerfully at work in us. And you may be listening today and you have felt the need to kind of like lean back or step out of serving at church for a season. And I want to tell you that I get that. I really do. Because if you do not have your things in order, if you are not serving your spouse, if you are not serving your family, we don't want you serving at church. We want you to get your pieces in order and we want you to step up and just serving in your family. We want you to start small. And if that means you have to kind of rewind it back a bit, right, just so you can serve in your family, we understand. And I've definitely had to do that in seasons of my life. But let's assume we have that in order. Or you're willing to get it in order. And I would encourage you to go against the inclination right now in this season to kind of lean back or step out of serving at the church. I know we are in a really unique season without a lead pastor. And there is a gap here in our church family, and it would be silly for us to um, act like it doesn't exist. And there are so many people who are stepping up and stepping into these gaps, and we are so thankful for you. We're so thankful for you. But I'm going to say that for every one person stepping in and stepping out, we probably have two people leading back or stepping out. Like, maybe I'll just circle back to revolution when they figure out the pastor thing and they got the new person in, and that's when I'll, I'll get back and I'll get back involved. Things just, they're just not the same. Or it's just easier to watch from the couch. Friends, that is not the attitude of Jesus. Jesus took his last earthly meal and used it to serve 
One of the last things he did, get your mind around this, on the face of the earth with his own free will was invite his friends to a table and serve them. He could have been doing anything else, but he chose to serve. In John 13, 1, 4 to 5, it says, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go back to his father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and use the towel that was around his waist to dry them. Jesus took the lowest low, the dirtiest, the grossest job imaginable, the one that he was highly overqualified for, the one that had no spotlight, no fame attached to it, and he served and loved his disciples all the way to the very end, all the way to the cross. And this kind of love, this kind of radical service changed those men, and they changed their community, and it changed the world. Because hospitality is love in action, has a ripple effect, and it's an ever-expanding call for the followers of Jesus. Galatians 5, 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use it selfishly. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And at the table of believers at Revolution Church, we welcome outsiders as insiders. We recognize that church is not about us. And we serve one another. We serve one another, not out of guilt, not like begrudgingly, not out of pride or seeking a spotlight, but we serve out of humility and love and wanting to be like Jesus. And we're going to close today hearing the story of a revolutionary who has embraced this idea, and I love his story so much. But I want to challenge you to shift the narrative in your life. I want to challenge you, what if we stop thinking, how can I get what I need out of church? And what if instead we asked, how can I worship God more fully and serve others more deeply today? Hi, Revolution. I'm Jonathan Nelms. My family started coming to Revolution when we were still in the old Aaron's building about six years ago. I currently serve on the tech team and in NextGen with the kids. I first decided to join onto these teams when I was sitting in church and I just felt like God was pushing me to make that decision. My sister serves as a, one of the singers uh, on our worship team and seeing how she was doing and the growth that she got out of it, uh, I just felt like God was telling me it was time that I took that step for myself. Some of the things that I've gotten out of it have been phenomenal. I've had the opportunity to meet more people. Um, I get to wake up every Sunday that I am serving and feel that excitement of being able to uh, jump into this, this thing called uh, selfless service and uh, meeting these children working with uh, the tech team and learning new skills. Uh, you walk away every single week feeling like you contributed to the growth of the church and specifically with the kids. I mean, it's amazing when you're, you're sitting there and you're trying to have these conversations with them. You're trying to teach them more about Jesus and how to live like him. And they're having questions like, who made God? And then that opens up the, 
the conversation process with these kids that just want to learn. I think it's amazing getting to work with these children and seeing where they're going. And I'm just very blessed to be able to, to serve on these teams. So if you're not currently serving on, on any team or if you're not even, if you're not going to a life group, I challenge you to, to make that leap, to try something new and get out of that comfort zone. God doesn't call us to an easy lifestyle or a life of comfort. He calls us to use the talents that we've been given, the, the gifts that make us who we are. I can say that I'm definitely a stronger and better person for having done it, and I know that He can use your gifts to bring out unexpected blessings in your lives as well.